Okay, we're in Proverbs 2 this morning, the whole chapter. (laughs) Buckle up. Um, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come a knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Well, thank you, Amber. Somebody can give her a drink of water. Uh, Good job. Well, this morning we are continuing in our sermon series um, in Proverbs, and I know we're like only two weeks into this, um, so we already covered chapter one here, but think up to this point, just even after a chapter's worth of, of sermons uh, in this book, I think we've already been able to see just how helpful, I hope, and just how, how needed uh, this, this particular sermon series and particular book of the Bible is for our lives, and, and really how relevant it is for our lives, that, that this whole book is about a topic, as we, ta- as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, that, that we all need, that's, that's relevant for each and every one of our lives. And, and, and that topic that's relevant that this book is all about is it's, it's wisdom. And that, that's something we, we all desperately need, don't we? I mean, think about all the different areas of our, of our lives, that different situations, different circumstances, different contexts, different areas of, of life that we're always just crying out for, for wisdom. And so then, like, if, if you're a parent, like, you, you, you need wisdom, Right? And knowing what to do with like little Johnny and little Sally and how the right way to parent them. And you need to know what the wrong way to parent them is. Or if you're putting together your, your budget, you're like you need, you need wisdom in terms of how to manage your, your money and, and how not to manage your money. If you're in a conversation with somebody, you need wisdom in terms of the right words to say and what the wrong words to say are. If you're in a relationship with somebody or friendship with somebody or when it comes to your emotions, when it comes to choosing a spouse, when it comes to dealing with conflict, when it comes to being a good employee at work, when it comes to dealing with temptation and sin and sexual temptation and on and on and on. Like we need wisdom in regards to all of these areas in terms of the right choice to make and what are the wrong choices to make in all these areas of our lives. But, but here's the thing when it comes to this whole idea of wisdom. We just don't need wisdom. Like we need godly wisdom, right? We don't just need wisdom. Like the world is full of wisdom. Just go to the local bookstore. I mean, book after book in the self-help section is all about wisdom when it comes to all these areas of life. But we don't need the wisdom of the world or even our own wisdom for what we think is right and best and good when it comes to all these areas of life. Instead, instead we need godly wisdom. We need divine wisdom. We need wisdom that can only come from God. And, and think about that. That makes sense, right? Like if God's the one who created the world and he's ordered everything, he's designed everything, he's put everything in this world together according to his good design, according to his good order, 
then he alone knows how everything in this world is supposed to function. He knows how everything in this world is supposed to work. And so he alone knows how parenting is supposed to work. He alone knows what a good friend looks like. He alone knows how money is supposed to be spent. He alone knows how we're to handle our emotions and, and what marriage is to look like and how to choose a spouse and, and all these different things. Like he, he put all this stuff together according to his good order and, and design so that it only makes sense then not to run to the world or not to run to our own logic and wisdom, but to run to him when it comes to how to make good, right choices in all these areas of life. And so then this is the whole purpose and the whole point of, of this book of, of Proverbs, that these Proverbs are here to, to equip us with the discernment that we need to be able to make right choices and godly choices to be able to discern right from wrong and good from evil in all these different areas of life, to make godly choices according to God's good design and God's good order in all these different areas of life. And so then, here, here's the question I want us to think about this morning. If this is the sort of wisdom that this book offers us, then the question I want us to think about this morning is this, how then do we obtain it? In other words, if this is what this book is holding out to us, right? This, this sort of wisdom in all these different areas of life, godly wisdom for godly choices, right from wrong, good from evil, according to God's design in all these different areas of life, then how do we get, how do we obtain, how do we acquire this sort of wisdom that this book is holding out, out to us? Well, that's what we're going to see within our passage this morning that our passage is going to explain to us how we obtain, how we acquire this sort of wisdom for our lives. And it's going to show us not just how we obtain and acquire it, it's then going to show the results and also the benefits of receiving this wisdom. And the effects and the impact of receiving this wisdom is to have on our practical everyday lives together. So that's what we're going to see in chapter two here this morning. But before we jump into chapter two, what I'll first want us to do is kind of set the context up real quick before we jump into chapter two here. That if you remember, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, the Proverbs proper, okay, so the actual Proverbs don't start until chapter 10, verse one um, here in, in Proverbs. The first nine chapters then are the introduction to the Proverbs that begin in chapter 10. And this introduction of the first nine chapters here of Proverbs contained ten different speeches from a father, Solomon, to his son. And in these speeches, Solomon the father is explaining to his son about the importance of wisdom, the value of wisdom, the benefits of wisdom, the danger of not seeking wisdom. And the reason, his whole purpose then, in these ten speeches is to create this sort of hunger in his son so that for wisdom, so that when chapter 10 comes around and the actual Proverbs are given, then that son is all ears. Like he's, at, at, at this point in time, when, we, when he gets to chapter 10, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry for wisdom. I, I need wisdom. I see the value of wisdom. Oh, I desperately need wisdom. So then when chapter 10 and the Proverbs start and the wisdom, the wisdom from those Proverbs start, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm ready, I'm ready to listen. And that's the effect it's supposed to have on our lives, and especially this chapter here this morning. And so then in our passage this morning, what we're going to see is this is the second speech, if you're counting, um, second speech of the father to his son. And he's going to give these conditions that must be true of our lives if we're, if we're going to obtain and acquire this sort of wisdom. In other words, this sort of wisdom isn't just, doesn't just magically appear. The sort of wisdom, we don't just accidentally fall into it. Instead, there are specific, certain conditions that must be true of our lives in order to obtain and acquire this sort of wisdom that is able to discern between right and wrong and good from evil in all these different areas of our life. And we see these conditions in the first four verses here of chapter two, look there with me. 
they all begin with the word if. You might want to circle these. So verse 1, he says, if you receive my words. Verse 3, he says, if you call out for insight. And in verse 4, he says, if you seek it like silver. And so the, then these are the three conditions, the three ifs that must be true of our lives if we're going to receive the sort of wisdom and skill for godly living that this book has to offer. And so here's, here's the first condition that, that must be true of our lives. It's this. You see all this on your hand out there. But the first condition is this. It's that we must receive and treasure up the Proverbs in this book. We must receive and treasure up the Proverbs in this book. That's what Solomon says at the very beginning there in verse 1. Look there with me again. He says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So the two words there, words and commandments here in verse 1, are referring to the actual Proverbs that begin in chapter 10. And so he's saying that we're first to, to receive them, meaning we're to listen to them, we're to hear them, we're to read them, we're to receive them, accept them into our minds and into our hearts. But he, but he says receiving them and accepting them isn't enough. And we know that, right? Like we all, we all know people, including ourselves in, in some ways, who, who have received these proverbs but aren't wise, who've read them, who've memorized them, who can quote them. So they've received them, but they're still not wise. And so then it requires more than just receiving these proverbs. Instead, in the rest of verse 1, we're also to treasure them up. We're to treasure them up. That word treasure up means to store away. It means to tuck away, to stash away, to hide away, which means two things when it comes to what we're to do with these Proverbs. First, to treasure out these Proverbs, first means we're to remember them, right? We're, we're to internalize them. Like our minds, our hearts are the storage place in which we're to store and treasure and stash away these Proverbs. In our minds, in our hearts, they're within us. But secondly, this whole idea of treasuring up means we value them, right? We cherish them. We, we, we treasure them. In other words, think about that. You don't store something away or stash something away that, that's not valuable to you, that's not precious to you. Like, you, you give that stuff away, right? You, you sell that sort of stuff. You, you, you trash that sort of stuff that's not valuable to you, that's not precious to you. But the things that, that are valuable to you, that are precious to you, that you cherish, you like, you like keep it somewhere safe. You store it away, you stash it away somewhere safe because it's precious and it's valuable. And so then this is huge, right? If we want, when we get to chapter 10, if you want these Proverbs to have its intended effect on your life, and to give you wisdom that these Proverbs have to offer in these different areas of life, then you can't just receive these Proverbs when we get to chapter 10. You also have to treasure them. You also have to cherish them, value them, like memorize them, store them away in your mind, store them away in your heart, and value them and cherish them and treasure them as if they're something, as if they're something valuable because they, they are. So that's the first condition there for obtaining the wisdom that this book has to offer. The second condition then is this. We must make our ear attentive to wisdom and incline our hearts to understanding. We must make our ear attentive to, list, to, to wisdom, excuse me, and incline our hearts to understand. That's what Solomon says next in verse two. Look there with me. He says, making our ear attentive to wisdom and inclining our heart to understand. If you just think about that, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Like if you deeply value and treasure the words of someone, then you'll be attentive to them, right? I, I remember when, when Amy and I first started dating, I remember the first words Amy ever spoke to me. 
she doesn't remember the first words I ever spoke to her, but I remember the first words she ever spoke to me. I was hanging on every word. I was all ears. I was full, complete, undivided attention. And I'm still like that, right? All the time, right? But, but why? Because their words were like valuable to me. I cherished them. I was on that, yeah, just, just listening to every word she had to speak. That's the same idea that Solomon is, is describing and painting here, that if we value, if we treasure the wisdom that these Proverbs have to offer, then we won't just like casually listen to them. We won't just nonchalantly just kind of read through them. We'll be like hanging on every word, full, complete, undivided attention, inclining our hearts to understand them. Third condition then is this, we must actively pursue and seek after wisdom. We must actively pursue and seek after wisdom. This is what Solomon goes on to say in verse 3, look there. He says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Oh, I love that picture there. It reminds me when I was a kid, we had a dog. Dog got away from the house, kind of ran away from the house. Family goes out searching for this dog, looking for this dog. And so we go out looking for this dog, just calling out. Raising our voice, hoping this dog will somehow hear us. We're searching for this dog. We're seeking after this, this dog until we finally actually find the, find the dog. That's a bad illustration, but that's a picture of what's being described here, of how we should pursue wisdom, how we should seek after this wisdom that these Proverbs have to offer. We're to call out, we're to cry out for this wisdom. We're to seek after it, search after it. And again, this is, this is huge for us to remember. We're not just supposed to passively sit by and just hope that somehow, magically, out of nowhere, we become wise. Like nobody, this is huge, nobody ever just drifts into wisdom. Nobody ever just accidentally becomes wise or drifts into the ability to make wise choices when it comes to parenting and handling money and choosing a spouse and being a good friend and your speech and words you, you use and dealing with conflict and, and all of these things. You don't just make wise choices in these areas. Instead, you have to actively and intentionally pursue and seek after wisdom like you would seek after a a buried treasure. And the primary way Solomon, the father, is saying you do that is in this book. It's by eagerly searching and studying and seeking after wisdom in this book, calling out, crying out that God would open your eyes to be able to see and understand the wisdom in this book. You don't become wise apart from this book. I was meeting with a good friend a few weeks ago, struggling in his marriage, and he's just asking for wisdom and looking for wisdom. And about three minutes in our conversation then, he tells me how he hadn't been reading the Bible and hadn't read the Bible for like three months. And I'm like, there's a disconnect here. You're seeking after wisdom and longing for wisdom and yearning for wisdom, but that wisdom doesn't come apart from the Word. And that's, that's huge. But the Word doesn't just accidentally get in us. Sorry, you had to see that. You search after it. You seek after it. It takes effort, energy, blood, sweat, tears. Not just a passive, oh, I hope I become wise. If you want to become a godly parent, if you want to become a godly spouse, a godly friend, if you want to become, respond in such a way, uh, in a godly way to sexual temptation, 
if you want to respond in a godly way in terms of how you spend your money and use your money, if you want to respond in a godly way in terms of how you handle your emotions and deal with your emotions, the only way that you'll know how and be equipped to be able to do that in a, in a wise, skilled way and being able to make godly choices, wise choices in all those areas of life is this book. There's no other way to do it. So that's the, that's the first. Those, those are the conditions there for obtaining wisdom. That has to be true of your life if you're going to be wise in all these different areas of life. If not, when we get to chapter 10 and we start going through these Proverbs, we're going to be wasting our time. If these, if these aren't the heart posture and the mindset that you bring to these Proverbs in chapter 10 that you're going to be instructed in and be able to, able to gain the wisdom that they have to ultimately offer. Here's the, so those are the conditions. Here's then the result then of treasuring and earnestly seeking after this wisdom. So these are the conditions. Now these are the results of treasuring and earnestly seeking after wisdom. We see the results there in verse 5. Starts with the word then. Then we see another then in verse 9. Okay, so, so if, if this is true... If these conditions are met, verses 1 through 4, then here are the two results, verse 5, then, and verse 9, then. So then here's the first result of treasuring wisdom and seeking after wisdom. The first result is this. See this on your handout. We will be given wisdom from the Lord. We'll be given wisdom from the Lord. This is what Solomon goes on to say there in verse 5. Look there with me. He says, then... You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And here's why. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. So then you follow that logic there. If we earnestly desire wisdom and actively pursue wisdom, then guess what the Lord is going to give us? He's going to give us wisdom. And since we have wisdom, then guess what's going to happen? We're going to fear the Lord. And why is that? Because of what we saw two weeks ago in chapter 1, verse 7. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But There's a whole lot there. But the key point in all that is this. Is that this wisdom comes from the Lord. Do you notice that? You earnestly seek after wisdom, you treasure wisdom, and the Lord will give you wisdom. But this wisdom, it's important, it comes from the Lord. That's why verse 6, did you catch that? It's from his mouth that knowledge and understanding come. In other words, this wisdom, it, it, it's, not, it, it's not something that comes from us. Like this wisdom, it's not something that's, that's deep inside of us that we're just trying to bring out. <laughs> We don't have it. This wisdom is outside of us, so we're not trying to conjure it up inside of us. We're not trying to dig it up out of our, out of our hearts to make it grow and develop. We ain't got it. It's outside of us. It's outside of who we are. This wisdom is God's wisdom. This wisdom, therefore, comes from Him. All we're to do, though, is to make our ear attentive to it, to call out for it to search for it and seek after it. And as we do that, then he'll give us his, his wisdom. So that's the first result then of, of treasuring and earnestly pursuing the Lord's wisdom. He'll give it to us. The second result then is, is what happens after we have the Lord's wisdom. That after the Lord give us his, gives us his wisdom, then secondly, second result is, is that we will be able to discern what is right, just, and fair in every situation. So this is what he goes on, Solomon goes on to say in verse 9. This is the second then. Look there at verse 9. If you treasure wisdom, earnestly pursue wisdom, seek after wisdom, the Lord will give it to you. Then secondly, in verse 9, you will understand 
righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. That word understand there, in verse 9, it can also be translated as the word discern. It's another synonym that's used for, for wisdom and being wise here. But th this is what the Lord's wisdom enables us to do. It enables us to discern right from wrong, good from evil, what's just from unjust, what's fair from being unfair in all these different situations, in all these different contexts, in all the different circumstances in our lives. That's what the Lord's wisdom is. It's a moral wisdom that helps us to, make, to discern right from wrong. And, and again, referred to this a couple weeks ago, but we desperately need this. Like again, we, we live in a culture in which that is becoming more and more morally bankrupt, that, is, that, that calls that which is good evil, and that calls that which is evil good. And that's like all around us, everywhere. And so if we just go through life just allowing the world to define good for us and allowing the world to define evil for us, then the way the world defines evil, they say evil's good and defines good as being evil, like we're gonna be all, we're not gonna be very wise. We're gonna be wise in the ways of the world, but we're not gonna be wise in the ways of, of God. And because of that then, we desperately need the Lord's wisdom. We desperately need the Lord's wisdom to give us the moral ability to be able to discern right from wrong and good from evil in God's sight. And so those are the results then of, of pursuing after and seeking after wisdom, which then leads to, and I want to spend most of our time here, on the benefits then of obtaining wisdom. So those are the conditions, the results, we'll be given wisdom, we'll be given this moral ability to be able to discern right from wrong and good from evil and what's just from unjust. And then that leads to these benefits then. Here, here's how this moral wisdom of being able to discern right from wrong and good from evil will practically benefit us and benefit our lives. You can see it here in verse 11. Look there with me. Verse 11, Solomon says, that discretion will watch over you. Understanding, that word understanding cause to be the word discernment, will guard you. So you see that language there? You might want to underline or circle it there in verse 11, that, that guarding, protection, watch over sort of language there in verse 11. He used that same sort of protection, guarding language a couple verses earlier that I skipped over in verses 7 and 8. Look at, look at the second line there in verse 7. Solomon there, he's speaking about the Lord who, who gives wisdom, and he says about the Lord, he says, in second line of verse 7, he says, the Lord is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. So again, you see that same guarding, protection, watching over language there in verses 7 and, and 8. But did you notice the difference, though, in, in verse 7 and 8 to, in, to verse 11 there? That in verses 7 and 8, God is the one who's our shield. And God is the one who's guarding and watching over his people, right? But when you get to verse 11 and verse 12, who is it that's watching over and who is it that's guarding? Who's doing the protecting there? It's wisdom. And so you're like, well, Solomon, which one is it? Is, is God the one who guards and protects and watches over us? Or is it wisdom that watches and protects and, and guards us? And you know what the answer is? Yes, the answer is it's both. But here's, the, here's the, the part we need to catch. God is the one who guards and watches over us and protects us. Yes, verse 7 and verse 8. But the way he does that is by the wisdom he gives us, by the spiritual, supernatural enablement of the wisdom that he gives us. And that's the first benefit then of obtaining wisdom 
and being given wisdom by God. You can see it on your hand up there, that wisdom is our shield. I love that, that imagery there. Wisdom is our shield and protects us from the foolish path of unrighteousness. This right here, this is what wisdom guards us from. This is what wisdom shields us from and protects us from, like godly wisdom. It guards us, it protects us from the path of unrighteousness. It protects us from the, from the path of, and the way of evil. And we see this in the, the first line there in verse 12. Look there with me. In verse 11, again, he says, discretion will watch over you, understanding or discernment will guard you. And then here's how this moral wisdom and discernment will guard and protect us. Look at verse 12. It will guard and protect us by delivering us from the way of evil. So then Jared talked about this really specifically last week, but remember in Proverbs, this is the, the huge kind of imagery in Proverbs. There's two paths, right? There, there's two ways in Proverbs. There's the, and that's kind of, if you can see it on our little picture here, those are, those are two roads, right? Those are like two paths. Isn't that creative? Like Jared came up with that. That's, that's awesome. No, it is. Those are two paths. And with those paths, that's the imagery. That's the picture. Just If you want to know Proverbs, look at that picture. There's two paths. There's the wise path that's characterized by righteousness. And that path leads to life, eternal life. There's the foolish path that's characterized by unrighteousness. And that that path leads to death, eternal death. And so what he's saying here then is that one of the benefits of wisdom is that it protects us and guards us from going on the foolish path of unrighteousness that leads to death. In other words, wisdom is we're trucking along on this, on this wise path of righteousness that leads to life. Wisdom is like this security fence that keeps us on the path of righteousness, that keeps us from going on the, the foolish path of unrighteousness that leads to death. And if you think about it in a real practical way, it's like that makes sense, that as long as we're able to discern good from evil and right from wrong as God defines it, and we believe it and abide by it, then that's going to guard us and protect us from the foolish path and the way of evil that leads to death. And so starting, in, so in that way, wisdom is the shield that keeps us on the path of wisdom and that keeps us from going on the path of, of the foolish path of righteousness that leads to, to, leads to death. And so then starting in verse 12 then, what Solomon's going to do is he's going to give us two practical examples of how wisdom protects us and guards us from the foolish, from the foolish path of unrighteousness that leads to death. And so he's going to give us two examples. And the first example he's going to give is, is how wisdom will protect us from being enticed by evil men. Of how wisdom will protect us from being enticed by evil men. And we see this in, in the second line of verse 12 there. Look there with me. Solomon says that wisdom will deliver us from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverse, perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So then Solomon here is referring to those who are on the path of unrighteousness. Do you notice that in verse 12 through 15? All the times he uses the word way or the word path, he uses it multiple times throughout those verses because he's describing the person or the persons who are on the foolish path of, of unrighteousness. They're rejoicing in doing evil. They're walking the way of, of darkness. And what he's saying is this, is that oftentimes as we look over at those who are on the foolish path of unrighteousness, man, it can look attractive. Like, let's be honest. It can look appealing. Like you can get on your social media and look on Facebook and, and Instagram and, and see different posts of, of people and who are on the 
foolish path of unrighteousness and all those messages and pictures and how they're talking about certain activities and pleasures. And you look at that and you're like, man. And then you look at your life and how complicated and messy and difficult and boring your life is. And you're like, man, that looks fun. Wish I was there with this. Man, that would be a lot easier than, than having to deal with, with all this. Yeah, I, th- I think I'll join them. You know what's going to keep you from joining them? Wisdom. Wisdom. Like wisdom allows you to see those posts or go to work and hear from your coworkers of how they spent their weekend and and you're able to hear that and look at that and think, not, not look at it and think, man, that looks fun. That's what I want to do. That, that looks like a lot of pleasure. Instead, it allows you, wisdom allows you to see that path for what it really is. That path leads to death. It leads to eternal death and destruction. And so it might look like fun in the immediate time and appealing in the immediate time, but wisdom gives you eyes to see that path for what it truly is. It's foolish because it ultimately leads to death. So wisdom guards us and protects us and being able to discern right from wrong and good from evil and where these two paths ultimately end up. So that's the first example he gives. The second example he gives and shows us is that wisdom will not only protect us from these evil men, but secondly is that wisdom will protect us from being enticed by seductive women. Women will protect us from being enticed by seductive women or men. This is what he goes on to say in verse 16. Look there with me. He says, So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Like, please hear me. Like, if you right now struggle with just sexual sin and sexual temptation in any way, like, like, hear these words. Like, pay attention to these words. Like, the picture we have here is of a married woman who's on the path, the foolish path of unrighteousness that leads to death. And she's trying to allure and entice and seduce those who are on the paths of righteousness to come over and join her. That, that's what she's trying to do. And we could apply this not to just adultery and, and married women here, but also to to any sort of sexual immorality and and pornography and and everything else, which which is a struggle. Like, let's be honest, okay? Like, it's not the elephant in the room. Like, this is a struggle for for many in this room. That that temptation, that, that, that sinful pleasure and desire here. And so what Solomon is saying here is that he's offering, if this is your struggle, Please listen. He's offering one practical way, not the only, but one practical way to guard yourself and protect yourself against this sort of sexual temptation. And do you know what this one practical way is to guard yourself from this sexual temptation? It's wisdom. Wisdom can be your shield and guard you and protect you from sexual temptation immorality. In other words, it's to be wise and to realize that what that person is offering you on that screen leads to death. That's where it leads. That's why verse 19 says, like, memorize this verse. 
none who go to her come back. Nor do they regain the paths of life. They're seduced by her. They buy into it. They don't see it for the reality and for what it truly is, a path, a foolish path that leads to death. All they see is pleasure and getting their sexual desires fulfilled and just immediate gratification. And so they're like, okay, I'll click there. I'm all in. They don't see. They don't have wisdom to see her or him for who he or she is really is. And those then who, who go after her are entrapped by her end up where she ends up. And they don't regain the paths of life. They don't come back. And this is what we need to remember when it comes to sexual sin and pornography and adulterous relationships and sexual immorality and and all those things. We need to see it for what it truly is in that moment. To allow wisdom to literally hit us over the side of our head. To knock some common sense into us. And to be able to see that what is on that screen is foolish. And only leads to, only leads to death. So that's the first benefit of wisdom. It shields us, protects us from the paths of unrighteousness that leads to death. The second benefit, and we'll close with this, the second benefit of wisdom is this, is that we will dwell in the new earth forever. That we will dwell in the new earth forever. This is how the father concludes a speech to his son there in verse 20. Look there with me. He says, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. So again, this is what wisdom will cause us to do. It will cause us to walk in the way of the good. It will keep us, remember it's our shield, so it will keep us in the paths of the righteous. And so as we walk in the way of the good and keep on this wise path of righteousness, then here's the benefit that will come at the end of this path. Verse 21. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So again, this right here, this is the reward for those who follow the wise path and walk on the wise path of of righteousness. Solomon says that they will inhabit the land. They will remain in the land, while the wicked will be, who follow the unrighteous path, will be cut off from the land. They'll be uprooted from the land. So then what in the world is the land, right? Well, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, this was the promise that God made to the people of Israel under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. That if they were faithful to God's covenant that he made with them, then they would dwell in the promised land forever. When we get to the New Testament, though, we see that this promise of this land, this land promise, becomes a whole lot bigger and a whole lot more than just a little strip of land in the Middle East. Instead, when we get to the New Testament under the, under the New Covenant, we see that this land promise in the Old Testament was just a pointer that pointed forward, that pointed ahead to a greater and more ultimate piece of land in the New Covenant. And you know what this greater, more ultimate piece of land in the New Covenant is? It's not just a little strip of land in the Middle East. Instead, it's the whole earth. Like every stinking last speck of it. That's going to be ours. That's what's waiting for those who walk on the wise path of righteousness. It leads to eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth. Like that's the ultimate benefit that awaits those who are wise and walk on the paths of righteousness that leads to life. That's it. And so then as we hear all of this, I want to conclude with this. There are two extremes 
I want us to avoid and that we need to avoid after hearing all of this. Everything that we just heard this morning. The first extreme is this. It's the extreme of despair. The extreme of despair. In other words, there, there are some of you who might, might hear all this and think, if, if, if you have to be wise and, and walk on the path of, of righteousness in order to be saved from death and enter into the new earth, then forget about it. Because there's no way I can perfectly do that. There's no way I can be a perfect parent. There's no way I can be a perfect friend. There's no way I can perfectly manage my money. There's no way I can perfectly resist temptation. I can't live up to this perfect standard of righteousness. So I guess I, I'm out. There's no hope for me. The other extreme we need to avoid after hearing all this, though, is what I would just call works righteousness that, that seeks to earn your salvation. In other words, after hearing all this, some of you might be thinking on the other extreme, okay then, if this is what it's going to take to, to live in the new earth forever and to obtain this life eternal, if, if this is what it's ta- going to take, then, then I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going I'm to be the perfect spouse I'm going to handle my money perfectly. I'm going to manage my emotions perfectly. I'm going to resist temptation perfectly. I'm going to live a perfectly righteous life, and I'm going to perfectly walk this path of righteousness. Like, if you're thinking either of those extremes at the end of this message, that's not good. Instead, do you see what's wrong with both those extremes? Like one is impossible, you're not perfect, and you won't be perfectly righteous, it's impossible. The other is just completely hopeless. And and so then, if you're tempted to respond in, in either of these two ways, then let me give you a better way to respond. And the better way to respond is this. It's to remember that Solomon here is writing this letter, this book, to his son. And his son, just like all of us, wasn't 100% completely, perfectly wise and righteous. But guess what? Hundreds of years after writing this, there would come a son of Solomon that was that was 100% completely, perfectly wise and righteous. And that son's name was none other than Jesus. Like he walked in wisdom. He, He walked the path of wisdom perfectly, completely, all the time. Like never once did he walk on the path of of unrighteousness and the the foolish path. Instead, he always imperfectly discerned evil from good or good from evil and and right from wrong. And and he walked the path of of righteous, this righteous path perfectly. And guess why he did that? He did that for us as our representative in our place because he knew we couldn't do it. And so he went ahead of us as our pioneer, as our trailblazer, perfectly walking the path of righteousness that leads to life for us as our representative. And not only that, he died. And the reason he died wasn't because he was foolish or because he was unrighteous. Instead, the reason he died was to take that death for us that we deserved for our foolishness and our unrighteousness. And it's in this way then that because of Jesus, the perfect, greater, more ultimate son of Solomon, that when God, through faith and trust in him, that God now looks at us and he, he looks at us as if we have walked the perfect path of righteousness not because we have, but because Jesus has walked it for us. 
and we don't receive the eternal death that we deserve for the foolishness and unrighteousness that we've, that we've done on the, the foolish path of unrighteousness. Why? Because Jesus absorbed that death for us on the cross. And now it's in that sort of heart posture that we live and seek after righteousness and wisdom. We don't do it in order to be saved. Instead, we do it because we already have been saved. And we've been indwelt by the Spirit. And we've been changed by the gospel. And we're a new creation now. We have new affections and a new heart, new longings and new desires and a new way of obedience that lives now according to, a, to, to wisdom and the way that God defines what's right and from wrong and good from evil and that earnestly desires to seek after and to search after and make our ear attentive to wisdom and living that out in our everyday lives. We live from that reality of what Jesus has secured for us as our representative. We don't work for it. And that's the, that's the, 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 the response that I pray and hope that we would ultimately seek after wisdom and the motivation that would ultimately compel us toward wisdom and righteous living as we seek to live and continue on in this wise path of righteousness that leads to eternal life. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this day and for your word and for the hope that we have in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, through your word to have heart postures that as those who've been bidden dwelt by your spirit, those who've been changed and become new creations through your gospel, Lord, that we would earnestly desire to pursue wisdom. Lord, that we would live wise lives of righteousness. Lord, that would be characterized by goodness and righteousness and justice and peace. And that we completely transform all these different contexts and areas of our life that we would look different from the world looks in these areas because we walk according to a different path and walk according to uh, walk uh, for a different destination and an ultimate different future than those um, on the foolish path of unrighteousness. So remind us of these truths when we're tempted. Remind us of these truths um, when, we, when we're tempted and eager uh, to join those on the foolish path of unrighteousness and pray that wisdom would serve as a shield for us and protect us and keep us in seeking to follow you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.